Straight from WCHL Studios in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, it's the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show with Chris and C.L. Brown. Tonight on the show, three-time Olympic track athlete Jenny Simpson. Also, patriotic sports activism y, por supuesto, the brownout. Now, some people are wondering who I am y de donde vengo. Some people say that I'm like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Maybe so, maybe no. But the only platform I'm running on is not the Green New Deal, but the Brown Crew Deal. Only on Sibling Rivalry Sports. Happy July 4th week from Sibling Rivalry Sports. And the Rockets CL, the bombs bursting CL, gave proof to CL that our flag was CL. CL, the stats, star spangled banner yet wave over the land of CL and the home of the Ravens. CL! Boo. <laughs> yeah! What? I don't understand what inspired all those CLs. Because CL, we're going to trademark CL now. It could be an adjective. It could be a verb. It could be a noun. We're going to trademark CL, the letters, and let people, like, we're going to start something viral and let people use CL. Boom, 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 boom. How about you trademarking and I just sue you for <laughs> unlawful, unlawfully using my image and likeness? That'd be a nice, uh, <laughs> that'd be a nice story. So, uh, but we're not going to have an episode next week. So uh, we'll get our our July Fourth shoutouts in on this one. Yes. Cover some topics that actually have to do with July Fourth. Yes. But right now, let's take it to the big playback. The big payback. We got an interesting topic today. Yes. That, that's kind of been ongoing, specifically the last couple of months, dealing with Olympic champion in the 800. Caster Semenya out of South Africa. So right now, the IAAF, which is uh, essentially the governing body um, over track and field, they're, they're really International Association of Athletics Federations. So they're they're over more than just track and field, but they're based in Sweden. Um, they have been trying to get women to uh, that that have a certain uh, level of testosterone. Um, to suppress that testosterone and and you know they have to be within a certain range uh, and castor Semenya has a higher level of testosterone um, so she is right now uh, it, it's it's in the court's hands essentially so the IAF won mm-hmm. initially a decision mm-hmm. uh, South Africa and, and Semenya appealed they won on appeal and right now, the IAAF is back trying to get that appeal overturned so that she has to start using the suppression, uh, the testosterone suppressing medicine um, and and to be able to compete. So uh, 
I guess we <laughs> we jump into this. This these are <laughs> these are murky waters. I feel like this is a, a huge gray area that we're about to discuss because I don't mm. feel like there's a clear cut right and wrong answer mm. uh, with, with this. But I do feel like this the decisions that come out. Are, could possibly set precedents in other sports and, you know, NCAA Definitely. competition. People will be looking at it and True. and so forth. So I will uh, let you go at oh, it first. Thank you. Oh, CL, you're so gracious. <laughs> Actually, that was a great intro. Okay, so here, here here's my take, CL. Um, my, my take is that when I, when I look at this, I think if someone is – biologically born you know a woman or a man then that's who they are and whatever their biology is whatever their make is it's it's fair because that is who they are so therefore um just to use like a football analogy like uh, if if i was in the bull ring, and I'm going up against a guy who's on my team in Pop Warner, but he happens to be 30 pounds bigger than me. That that might not be Pop Warner. That might be another league that doesn't know about weight. <laughs> but I'm so. just saying, he's bigger, but he's same age. I, I, I personally believe that I can't say that he has an unfair advantage because that's just who he is. That's just how he has grown. So that that was kind of what I went into this looking at. You're right, though, that it's kind of, it's murky. We don't have, I feel like we don't have all the information that we need. Now, one item that stands out and jumps out at me is that Semenya, she does not have a womb or ovaries. Okay, so if she, if she and I'm sorry to be so graphic there, but so to me, right there, that, that uh, vacates um, the definition um, of, of biological, biologically being a woman. That's what it is, you know, for me. So for me, and then if you also consider that testosterone levels um, in, in, or I can't remember exactly, CL, how they measure it, but the, the measurement that the IAAF is going by per pint of blood it can be tens to hundreds more in a man. That's why it would be unfair than, than, you know, than a woman. So I would say, you know, those things combined, I would probably fall, CL, on the side of them saying, um, we got to do something to balance this, this competition out. We, we, can, we can honor that you identify as a woman. We can honor that, but we want to balance the competition out, and you will have to lower your testosterone levels. I guess, I, I guess that's where I fall. Well, I, I don't fall on that side because I, my, my biggest question from this is they're, they're being very selective. To me, it's almost like they're targeting Semenya. So the sprint athletes and the long distance athletes they're not saying you have to lower you have to have these maximum testosterone levels in the 100 the 200 or in the mile run and higher um the 5000 meters 3000 meters those other events they're saying between 400 and 1 mile so that's 400 800 1600 essentially 
three three races basically you're saying that women have to have uh, a certain maximum testosterone level so what what does that mean does that mean there's not advantage so if i have a higher testosterone level or if if castor semenya has a higher testosterone level but she's running to 100 so you're saying that doesn't give her a competitive advantage in the 100 or it doesn't give her a competitive advantage in the 3000 but it gives you a competitive like why why I don't understand that so if it's going to give you competitive advantages shouldn't it be over across the board it's not just specific for oh oh the testosterone kicks in for the 400 or it kicks in it just needs that extra distance like I don't understand that like if 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 you had a blanket rule over all then I you know I would have to reconfigure and see what side of the argument I stood on but uh, to me it just seems so detailed right now and it almost seems like they are specifically just targeting Semenya because she's won like I think 30 straight 29 or 30 straight international competitions in the 800 meters I mean sometimes somebody's just better than you how many I feel like Edwin Moses back in the day I feel like he had a streak like this where he he just won an incredible amount of of uh, races in the I think it was his 400 hurdles was his event mm -hmm. so I mean <laughs> that that to me is the way it is sometimes somebody's just better than you and you have to just uh, respect that and keep it moving I mean I I of course you know I agree with that because you know if we just kind of, again, if you'd allow me to pull another football analogy, I think sometimes the Steelers have to say when they play the Ravens, sometimes people are just better than you. So I, I agree. I can, see where you, that. I can see where you got that from. No, all right, help me with this, CL, okay? I'm not saying I know it all. Help me with this. Here, I'm reading here out of the sun.com uh, or .co.uk. It says, under new IAAF rules, all competitors will have to have a blood testosterone. All competitors. Will have a have to have a blood testosterone level of below five at all times in order to compete. So I mean, and I I feel like I read somewhere else that they were saying across the board in any women um, who are running, you know, and and competing have to do this. So is that am I not hearing that right or? Well, I don't know. One of us not getting the right information because what I saw was not all across the board. It was it was just distances the between four hundred meters and one mile. Okay. Well, so so you're saying why isn't it across the board? It should. If anything, it should be across the board. Yeah. If 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 there's such a competitive advantage gain, then why wouldn't it be across the board? But I, I also looked at um, uh, the NCAA Division Two at Franklin Pierce University. There there was a, a transgendered runner named C.C. Telfer. Um, hope I'm pronouncing that right. Who won the the 2019 uh, is the 2019 national champion in the 400 meters. And uh, it's a similar kind of thing. Um, you know, the, the topic of testosterone suppression has come up. Uh, the, the NCAA hasn't instituted any kind of rule. But uh, Telfer ran the 400-meter hurdles and uh, the 100 meters. And she came in fifth in the 100 meters. Like, it, there's, to me, that, that says that, that there's not an advantage here. To, to me, that says that she's stronger in one event, weaker in another, which which a lot of athletes are. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, I just don't I, I don't I'm not convinced at this point, unless more science and more technology breaks it down. I'm not convinced that uh, in and of itself, 
there's there's some kind of competitive advantage because in order for for in this case in order for Telford to make the transition from uh, male to female, she's been on hormones for you know a few years, and during that course, I mean, she's she lost some muscle. Um, her track coach was saying she wasn't as explosive or fast and that kind of thing. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not at a point right now where I'm saying, uh, you know, ban ban everybody or have these testosterone suppressions and, and that kind of thing. I, I still need to see more before I believe there's uh, some kind of advantage. So, so then you're feeling like she should be able to go ahead and compete while they are determining. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. Well, hey, guess what, CL? I'm thrilled to get more insight on this and, and you know, a bunch of other topics regarding women's track and field uh, with our guest, who is two-time Olympian, Jennifer Berenger Simpson. Oh, I am so incredibly blessed and thrilled that we are going to be talking to her, CL, coming right up after the break. Stay tuned, folks. You're going to want to hear what Jenny Berenger Simpson, a.k.a. Air Chop Jenny, has to say here on Sibling Rivalry Sports 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. Wow! That's all I have to... I, I got to start off with wow! That is how excited I am right now for our guest on the show today. Now, let me just give you the rundown real quick. Uh, CL's going to give me the stop sign. He's going to have to because there's just so many accolades here. But here's just... I'm going to try to make it brief, CL. The rundown three-time Olympian, bronze medalist from 2016 Rio, 1,500 meters, ranked number one in the world in 2014, nine-time USA track and field champion, uh, gold medalist twice in the world championships on 1,500 meters, third fastest American all time. That's everybody that's ever lived in the 1,500 meter. And then second fastest. I'm just going to come in low like that. On the 3,000 meter, fast, second fastest American all time. I mean, just a champion all around. Right now, I think the official title that our guest Jennifer Simpson, Jenny Simpson, has is she's a 1,500 meter specialist and she runs for New Balance. We are uh, so thrilled to have Jenny Berenger with us. Jenny, how you doing? I'm great. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. That's quite the introduction. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to call me anytime you need, you know, like an intro like that, Jenny. Okay. Yeah, my next workout, man. I want you on the start line. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, so folks, now I, I have to let you in on a little cheat here, and that is that, that Jennifer and I go back quite a ways. And, CL, before we get into just some business, some, some you know, serious sports talk, I do want to clarify one thing here. So, so Jenny and I go back. Jenny's family and I go back, uh, back to days in Orlando, where where Jenny is from. You you were born in Orlando, is that right? I was born in Iowa, but yeah, I, I grew up in Orlando. That's right. I remember that. 
so Jenny, you know, I was uh, a a uh, youth worker and and sort of like a kids pastor at the church that Jenny and her family attended. And Jenny was my number one assistant for for a good bit there for a season. She was just the best. She was the best. I and did she, a lot of copies. I totally <laughs> <laughs> as an elementary school child. <laughs> if if track had not worked out, you definitely had a future. And, you know, Xerox with the Xerox Being company. A personal assistant, yes. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. Okay, all right. So, so Jenny's so proud of, of everything you've done and everything that you are doing. Um, but, uh, okay, so CL. CL has had his doubts on the athletic prowess that I tell him about that I have all the time. And uh, I just want to bring up a certain story, CL. I have beaten a horse in a race. You are looking at me in the face, CL, and you are seeing that I'm straight up. I have beaten a horse in a race. CL. Clearly, you're, you're talking about the little... 25 cent uh, carousels that are in front of like uh, you know back in the day it was Kmart when we were growing up <laughs> you know pop the quarter in it goes that that horse I'm, I'm sure you smoked them CL of course I did smoke that horse but uh, CL that horse doesn't go anywhere I'm talking about a real live <laughs> exactly. horse a real live horse in a race I think it's about 40 yards I, I want to say Jenny can help me out. but but Jenny a three-time Olympian, a world champion. She is here to verify the story. Jenny, is this story true? Little, little known fact is that my my athletic introduction was actually through equine sports, which I look at now and I think that was so much smarter having the horse do all the work. I don't know why, which <laughs> and then shouldered all of all of the hard work on my own. But uh, yeah, we grew up with horses and. We we had a lot of fun doing sketches and videos and stuff for uh, for the kids uh, for the kids church that we were doing and there might have been a, a foot race might we say between a four legged animal and uh, a two legged man <laughs> I'm not going to speak to how much background setting up was done uh, for the video but. The ending was that Chris came out victorious. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I think you're. No, hold on, no, no. I think you're confusing the video. We're going to post this on our IGTV because there is a video of a race with Jenny and myself. And you know, the, and and oh, we nicknamed her. We nicknamed her Air Chop Jenny. How we had no idea that she'd be an Olympic champion one day. But Air Chop Jenny, just because of the way she ran, she was so serious about chopping the air. So we had a race between you know Mr. Chris and Air Chop Jenny, and, and I'll post that. But but no no no, this was impromptu. It was you, you know a race between uh, one of the horses you were on and me. I just say hey, let me let me just try to race this horse. It was impromptu. <laughs> Speed. Yeah, I think I think in the short in the shortest distance, I think Chris moved him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that ain't no Kmart horse. Well, I'm still not accepting of that. Um. <laughs> you know what I love about this? You know what I love about this whole scenario is that there's so many times in your life when you do go on to be an Olympian and medal and have all these. You know, everybody loves that like behind the scenes human interest story side of your journey. And there are so many people, once you already make it, that are like, oh, man, I just knew. I knew you had it. I saw you as a runner when you were you know, <laughs> out of the womb. And uh, and you just kind of have to roll your eyes and take it. 
but this video totally uh, uh, validates that Chris Chris saw some air chop Jenny uh, at, when she was really really young, and so you were you were one of the very early identifiers of some potential speed in in me. So anyway, that's Thank really you. fun for me. I if you post the video, I really want you to because I I would I would get such a mortifying mix <laughs> of joy and <laughs> I love it. Oh yeah, no, you'll love you'll love the video. I, I definitely have it and it'll go up and yeah, you I mean we like that thing was produced. We got people to come and sit in the stands. It was man, that was so much fun. So so we'll take a look at that. Now now so in three weeks, uh Jenny, you are going to the the trials, is that right? That's right. Yeah, the the USA Championships are the trials for the U for the Team USA um, to make the team to uh, represent the U.S. at the World Championships in Doha, Qatar, in uh, September and October of this year. Awesome. And so, fifteen hundred is what we're looking at. What do you? How are you feeling? How's your training been coming? You know, what's your outlook? Yeah, you know, I'm really, I'm really proud of the longevity I've had in my career um, and I just got back from a race uh, I, I went over and I raced in Rome and then over in Rabat Morocco a few weeks ago um, and really really proudly got my 10th career sub 4 in the 1500 um, wow, and any year I've gone sub 4 has been a year that I've really had um, really good chances at US Championships and also at World Championships so Knowing that I've I've already kind of achieved that mark, I think it puts me on kind of the right path and the right trajectory. Um, and you guys are sports guys, you get you get it. So mm-hmm. much of it is also the confidence, right? You can do all the training that you want behind the scenes, but when the pressure's really on and you know that you you kind of had what you needed on that day, it gives you a lot of confidence going into something that's uh, a lot more pressure, like the like the U.S. Championship. Jenny, this is CL. Um, I was curious. You just mentioned a couple of places that you've run. What, what's viewed by you know track athletes, uh, uh, world world renowned track athletes like yourself? Uh, what's viewed as the best venue or or best venues to uh, to run? Oh, uh, that's such a that's such a good question. Um, I do think that the crowd can really elevate an athlete's performances and experiences I mean it's really different when you're racing in front of a few thousand people versus in an Olympic stadium you're you can I've raced before in front of 80,000 people um and so I I do think the best venues are kind of the atmosphere where it's a big huge experience and that almost exclusively happens uh inside Olympic stadiums and I've I've been so lucky in my life I've raced in Olympic stadiums all over the world China Tokyo, uh, Stockholm, uh, just all, I mean, all over the world. Rome is an Olympic stadium. Berlin, I've raced in that Olympic stadium. So those are always my favorite. But the meet in the United States to run is the Prefontaine Classic. Oh, yeah. Um, it's always right around this time of year. It's a little bit different timing um, this year, so I'm not going to be able to attend. But, um, but I have a teammate that's going to be racing, and it's this Sunday. So if, if USA track and field fans want to watch, the USA meet of the year for professionals. Um, it's coming up this Sunday, the Prefontaine Classic. 
Yeah. And out of curiosity, so your first Olympics was 2008, and I was wondering if, uh, did your coach have to do like a, was there a Hoosiers moment there where, you know, uh, just to make sure you didn't get caught up in the the size of the event and the crowd and everything, like, look, there's 1,500 measures out the same way everywhere. (laughs) I love that you bring up that movie because that has to be like top, five favorite movies of mine of all time Um, because whenever you approach such a big event like even with all the experiences I've had I I feel like I still have that Hoosiers moment every time I enter those really major venues you look out and you think who who got me here you know what what did I do to get myself into this Uh, and you do have to remember like and and this is the, the way I have kind of like simmered it all down into one easy phrase for myself I always look down at the track and I say this is home like these 400 meters don't change no matter where you are on the road um, and that's kind of my Hoosiers moment every time I get into a major championship or a major stadium as I say alright these 400 meters this is home and girl knows what to do on those 400 meters so just go, go do there what you've done so many times to earn your spot here I think you should do, and Chris, you'll appreciate this. You should do like uh, Ray Lewis used to when he would like pick up, kind of like the gladiator. You pick up the dirt and throw it <laughs> off, and then do a dance right before you get into uh, the starting blocks. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. I, I'm sure I modeled to you a dancer. Yeah, I'm sure I modeled a dancer too back in the day that you might be able to. And again, I'd be more than happy to, you know, Skype you and, and yeah, yeah, come up with something, some kind of celebratory. So, uh, all right, Jenny, so so shifting gears here to, you know, uh, some of the topics uh, at hand here, uh, current event type things, just real quick. Um, first of all, CL and I were trying to figure this out. What is the IAAF's regulation when it comes to uh, testosterone levels for female athletes is it for uh, do they have a regulation for all athletes or is it just for certain events what is your understanding of that yeah now you have just stepped into something that could now be a three hour conversation at, at the end we wouldn't know we wouldn't have decided on anymore um, yeah it's just a really difficult and complicated thing that we're, we're living in in this moment so I don't know five years from now looking back what will come out of this. Um, but the, the, the answer to your question for right now is nobody really knows. Um, the IAAF is kind of in this space where they're figuring out how to handle um, the, the gender issue. And I, I guess the best, and, and so it changes. And so even throughout the season, when I'm really focused on my own events, there are mm-hmm. changes that take place and there are court rulings that take place. And so I'm not always um, the most up to date with it. Um, but it's it's definitely an issue that I think is really important and really deserves um, our attention and, and deserves the IAAF to really take the time to get it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, one thing that I've admired about you, you know, as I have followed your career from afar, Jenny, is that you are uh, you're a straight arrow. Um, you know, you you pride yourself on hard work and dedication, and and just doing things, you know, by the book, the the right way, and no questions asked. So, uh, you know, with 
with these regulations and rules, do you have a take on, you know, uh, athletes that might have to lower their testosterone levels? Do you feel like, you know, that's that's a way that they should go, or are you just more concerned right. about your own training or what? Right. I think the important thing that sometimes gets conflated a little bit is that there's two really both important but very different issues at hand. One is somebody's somebody's right to have their own gender identity, to have their own decision on gender identity, and in their life and in their world and how they relate to the people around them to have the right to have to, to call their own shots on gender identity. Now, on the other hand, within sports, um, there's the idea of fair play. Mm-hmm. And the reason that we have men, uh, a category for men and a category for women, is not just because the genders are separated for some unknown reason. It's because there is such a physiological difference between the two that there's not a, a fair, there's not a sense of fair play between the two. And I'll, I'll give you an example. The best high schoolers the best high school boys in the country um, can run 402, 403, 404 for a full mile. And I am one of the best milers for women in the history of the United States. Mm -hmm. My best time ever in the mile is 417. So if a high school boy and I got on the track together, even an average high school boy would probably smoke me on, on one of their good days. And so the difference in physiological like competitiveness is just so different that those those bridges can't really be gapped or uh, you know can't really be spanned. And so in the spirit of fair play, this question deserves to be answered while also kind of retaining people's ability to kind of have the identity that they want. So that's the sticking point, right? And so I don't know, and I do think that the the conversation sometimes gets a little bit. Um, derailed because it becomes this really big conversation about people have the right to gender identify the, the way that they do. And I don't think anyone in this sport is saying, you know, that socially, that there are social and social justice issues, that that issue is an issue at hand inside the sport. What's really at issue is the reason we have gender categories is because in the spirit of fair play, there should be somebody that has the ability, you know, deserving to win kind of within those categories. And how can we ensure that those categories um, are, are fairly identified in order to preserve that idea of fair play? Okay. So, J- Jenny, have you raced against Castro Semenya and, and have you, and what are your kind of, what are your just recollections thereof, if so? Yeah, so I have a really, I have a really, really unusual uh, experience that I have raced her only once, but I'm undefeated. <laughs> so <I've, laughs> there are very few people that have beat Castro Semenya and Faith Kipion, and I both um, beat her in the final of um, the 1500 meters in 2017 at the London World Championship. So she is traditionally and most well known for being an 800 meter runner. But um, she really courageously nearly doubled her distance to run the 1500 meters um, and won the bronze medal um, behind Faith and myself. So I've been on the track with her and uh, raced her. And, you know, whether we're talking about any sort of issue that's going on with the sport, kind of the way that I personally have decided is important for me, um, you know, the place for me to arrive on race day is that when I step on that line, that starting line, 
you know, that's the ultimate great equalizer. And mm -hmm. if the IAAF allows somebody to stand on that starting line, then my job is to beat them. And so, you know, whether we're talking about the issue of doping and drugs or we're talking about testosterone testing or whether we're talking about, you know, people changing their nationalities in the middle of the season, you know, whatever the controversial issue is, to me, the debate ends at the starting line for me. And then my job just becomes to race them as best I can. That's awesome. That is awesome. Hey, that's see, that's that's Jenny Simpson right there. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, uh, it's tough, though, you know, because you want to you want to you want the IAAF to get it right. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I say, you know, I, I want them to take the time that they need to, to kind of look in all the different areas and make sure they're getting the decision right so that on the start line, the right people that deserve to be there are there. True that. Well, yeah, it is going to take some time from what I understand. But uh, thank you for taking the time uh, to be with us, uh, Jenny. And and I, I did want to add, you know, you mentioned about the high school uh, boys and like if they race you, they'd smoke you. OK, let's I just want to put it out there. If some high school dude wanted to race you and he beat you, he's going to have to face me next. That's all I got to say. He's going to have to face me. I beat a horse. Now what? I'm, I'm pretty wily, too. So I would take on a high school kid. I would think, I don't know if, they, if they're as, uh, as, as wily and as slick and as, as creative as I am when it comes to winning races. <laughs> and disciplined. Disciplined. I think that right. that's might win, that's right. be what wins the day. Okay. So trackjenny.com, folks, and also at trackjenny. You can keep up with her, especially with the uh, Olympic U.S. Olympic team uh, trials that are coming up in three weeks. Um, happy July 4th to you and your husband, Jenny. Thank you again so much for joining us. We, we would love to have you back again, too. I would love it. Yeah, sometime after U.S. Championships or headed to the trials, we'll have to we'll have to catch up, and I'll tell you how it goes. Awesome, best of luck to you during the trials. Yeah, thank you. All right, folks, come on back. We have more of this show uh, that's awesome stuff for you here on Sibling Rivalry Sports 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill, where we always chill. CL, I'm just uh, I'm, uh, I'm on cloud nine over here after after Jenny Barringer Simpson. Uh, Barringer is her her maiden name. It used to be hyphenated, but yeah, that's uh, that that was great for me, man. No doubt. I used to, I should have complimented her for excelling despite your attempts to uh, <laughs> introduce her to track. Oh <laughs> wow! <laughs> but maybe but so. I let that slide. What that brings up, CL, is it could have been because of the attempts. <laughs> so moving right along yes. here, um, the women's national soccer team. I think they they snuck past Spain in the round of sixteen. Um, now they are facing off with France, uh, and and you know obviously the game is in Paris. So it's a true road game, so to speak. Uh, and Spain is ranked—I mean, France is ranked number four in uh, in the world. So it will be a tough, tough match for the U.S. But what's in the news right now is co-captain midfielder uh, Megan Rapino, who uh, 
you know, she's she's somebody who goes back with Colin Kaepernick. She she actually spoke with him after his protest uh, in the NFL and started started her silent protest as well. She started taking a knee um, uh, while the national anthem was played before the women's national team games, and then uh, they made a rule the U.S. Soccer Federation made a rule that all players must stand. So. Now she stands, but she doesn't sing. Um, she doesn't place hand over heart. Uh, it, it brings up the question, um, and the president has reacted to it, but we'll get to that later. But it brings up the question, what, what's appropriate? <laughs> what is appropriate for the anthem? What is appropriate to protest? What, what, is, what is the role of, of activism in athletics? Well, I mean, see, just to start off, you know, the version of the anthem that we had at the beginning, you booing, that's inappropriate. I just want to say that. Well, I was booing specifically the part <laughs> you added at the end. Oh, I but, see. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. So you weren't but booing I could, suing, I, I could have just been booing your singing. That's what no, I was saying. She didn't too. say that in time. I beat you to it. <laughs> well, the first thing was the end of it. So. Okay. Uh, in, in all seriousness, I mean, wow. Isn't this... One of the big questions of this season, you know, of, of our culture. Um, and season means, you know, a bunch of years. I, I guess the way I look at it is, will your message in that platform, will the message that could be very legit, will that message be heard, like, specifically enough? Or would that message be potentially... Um, uh, destroyed because of misinterpretations, um, uh, quick reads that are wrong, that type of thing. That's that's what I think. And I, I don't know, CL. I tend to go with um, NFL Hall of Famer, uh, all-time great Ray Lewis, who tweeted out basically saying this week, basically saying, everybody who's with me and teaching teaching our country to love each other Raise your hand is basically what he said. And, uh, you know, I, I guess that's where I am, CL. That, that's corny. I don't care. I, that's, I guess that's where I am. I, I think if I tried to take a stand on a certain platform, I just think, wouldn't that go kind of muted? People would not understand. And I really think that's what's happened. I think people are, are so caught up in their own take that they're not hearing the other side. Well, I think with uh, Rapino specifically, first and foremost, uh, uh, the president was interviewed by The Hill. I think that was the publication, and uh, and asked specifically about uh, her her protest and if it was appropriate, and he said it wasn't. And the funny thing was, this is after <laughs> this is after she stopped kneeling after the rule was passed, and she has to stand. So. Technically, she's standing for the anthem with her hands behind her back. When has that ever been inappropriate? She's standing in silence. Is that what he's referring to, though? Yes, that's what he's referring to because that's what she's doing now. And so— Do you uh, think he knows that? I don't—I can't—let me finish my point. Yes. I can't get into what he knows and yes. doesn't know. He yeah. probably doesn't know it because he don't know a lot. Oh, here Bow! <laughs> so, Bow! So I'll say, I actually think it, by, by what he tweeted out on Wednesday, I actually think that he, he thinks that she's black, too. Did you go he, on air with he, that? He added black unemployment to his tweet being low <laughs> when he was tweeting back at her. But that's, that's, <laughs> that's neither here nor there because— 
she she's at this point she's not even doing anything. She's standing up. And I I guarantee you, I have been at many sporting events where the national anthem is played and people are on their phones, people are talking, people are still doing whatever else that's not paying attention to the anthem and not, quote-unquote, respecting the anthem, being silent, being attentive during that time when it's played. Wait, clarify for me. Reporters or just general? Everybody. Really? Everybody. I've, CL, I've, I've seen it number, from everybody. I've been a number of venues, too, CL. I've been a number of venues, too. Could it compare? Maybe not. But Definitely uh, f- not. Well, a fraction of venues. <laughs> uh, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> what in the world? So, anyway. I've been doing this 25 years, man. Okay. <laughs> okay. So no, you don't compare. You haven't what been. Done. Okay. Well, anyway, what I'm saying in is terms this. of the number of times I've been in an event where the national anthem is played, oh, okay. your numbers okay. don't compare to mine. Well, they compare. They're just a fraction. <laughs> okay. Dang, man. All right. Look. So I'm just saying. Uh, I haven't. I don't recall seeing people on the phone and talking. Like, yeah. I have to say, I don't. Re- now that might be because I'm tunnel vision. That could very that, well be. That would definitely be because of your tunnel vision, because it happens all the time. Re- on their it phones? happens all the time, Chris. On their phones? It happens all the time. Okay. I guarantee right. it. Okay. People fumbling with their concessions, people eating what they just bought, whatever, yeah. all yeah. of that stuff, man. Well, what I was going to say was, I was just going to say, um, you know, if, if they're, you know, doing those things, um, are they doing it on purpose or is that because I, I thought it was a legit point that you were going to say not everybody puts their hand over their heart not everybody sings and I do see that I feel like I see that True. with athletes lining up yeah. and it's not it's not a thing they're no, just not doing it it's not a thing. so I, I guess I agree with you there it's, so at this point I don't think it should be a thing with her either you know but uh, but it seems to still be it's it's made a thing Um but to your point, too, that that the message gets tuned out, I just feel like the day and age we live in, people believe what they want to believe, and you're not going to change their opinion. So if, if you already have a preconceived notion of, you know, whatever the protest is, uh, in this case, it started with Colin Kaepernick and police brutality, um, you're, you've already formed your opinion, and it doesn't matter what he's trying to bring attention to because you believe one way or you believe this way, and you're not open to hearing what he's saying. I believe we're we're in a time now where people just aren't open to <laughs> to other opinions. Oh God, I gotta agree with you, which is why I liked the tweet by Ray Lewis. But I know one day we're gonna have some protests if we don't get back here for the brownout. So folks, please give our sponsors your ear. We are thankful for them. We would not be here without them. And then come on back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. It's time for the Brownout. The Brownout. The U.S. women's national soccer team eked past Spain in the round of 16 to get to France in Paris. Just how vulnerable are they to an upset in the quarterfinals? I don't think they're vulnerable. They they did look that way against Spain, but I feel like... Uh, they're the champions, and until they're knocked out on the mat and can't get back up, I'm going to stick with the champs. Agreed with that. I can't wait to see that environment, a true road game 
but the heart of a champion is going to rise. So, yeah, I think they were maybe even looking forward to that. There's a push to make adaptive boxing for wheelchair participants an event in the Paralympics. Is that a good idea? I don't know about this, man. This doesn't sound like a good idea. It's it's it, it seemed to be on its way out anyway, as it, now it's more of a niche sport than, than ever before. And uh, just getting hit in, in the face and head, that doesn't sound appealing no matter what to me. Okay, fair enough. Now, you know, we have referee Rich, who actually illuminated us on this this whole possibility of uh, wheelchair boxing, you know, adjusted wheelchair boxing. And I, he, he is the he's the, the right hook from the left coast. He's all for it. And I got to say, I am too. I would love to see it. I think, you know, they would adjust rules. He had a good point in saying that, you know, we wouldn't have a bunch of the hugging and a bunch of stuff that slows it all down. And, and so because of the way that they would condition the sport, it, it, it could be something that's pretty competitive and, and, and inspiring even. I like it. Next question. Carolina Panthers quarterback Cam Newton offered a passenger $1,500 for a seat with more leg room before a 10-hour flight when he missed his originally scheduled one. Would you have taken the money and given up the seat? I mean, this would really just depend on what I needed at the time. $1,500 is $1,500. Like, I, I wouldn't just be passing that up a whole lot. But, uh, you know, I ran the Berlin Marathon and hopped right on a plane to come back. Um, same with when I ran the London Marathon. And I need leg room, too. I'm 6'3", so it's not like I'm not that much shorter than Cam Newton. So uh, my leg space, my, my, the need for my legs is important, too. So it would really just depend, man. I'm not going to say I just take the money and give up my seat. Mm-hmm. Well, good answer. I mean, look, you're 6'3", I'm 6 feet, my legs are 5'10". So, yeah, I need I need a lot of leg room, a lot of leg room. Uh, so I can identify with it there. I think, though, I have to say... Just for the novelty of it, I would get up. I think just for the novelty of it, just for you know accepting that. And and the other thing is, what if what if I said, uh, don't worry about it. Now in the future, he's you know, they, oh they, yeah, that's the guy. Bring him bring him down to the sideline. That's that guy. Who knows? <laughs> Next question. Milwaukee Bucks forward Giannis Antetokounmpo won the NBA MVP award by a three to one margin over Houston's James Harden. Agree with that decision? I think the NBA got this right. Uh, I, I forgot what the voting was. Maybe 78 to 26 or something like that. First place votes for Giannis. Um, he was the best to me. He was the player who elevated his entire team. I think the Bucks, uh, the Rockets had a better roster from top to bottom than the Bucks, And so, uh, and, and Giannis doesn't have somebody like Chris Paul, who's uh, in my mind a future Hall of Famer playing alongside him. So um, he, he definitely was deserving. The NBA got that right. Oh, I don't know. I, I, uh, I think I'm going to differ with you there, maybe just for the sake of differing with you. But I, I can't say that I uh, have been enthralled with all that Giannis has done. I don't know. That's just me. I could very well be wrong, though. Who knows? You're wrong. Thank you. Next question. Former UNC guard Danny Green says it's a hard no to the Toronto Raptors visiting the White House after winning the NBA Finals. No championship team from the league has visited the White House since 2016. What do you think about that? I'll let you go first on that one. Well, well, well. So, you know what, CL? Here's what I think. I think it is no matter what, 
I think it is an honor and a privilege to go inside the White House. Is it possible for a trip to the White House to be apart from whoever's occupying the Oval Office, but just not everybody gets to go inside the White House. That is not something that easily happens. You know, we happen to have a brother who's who's qualified to go twice and sit at the table with the president. Uh, you know, that was President Obama. But uh, hey, it, just getting qualified to go in there, that's a big deal. So for me personally, I would say, why pass that up? Why pass up some, you know, McDonald's Big Macs or whatever? <laughs> up. Well, that's that's one reason to pass it up, because that's to me, that's a sign of disrespect that your fast food. Come on, you're offering fast food. So but to to a different point, I feel like uh Teams in the past that have visited the White House and disagreed with the person who was president, um, there's a longstanding, I mean, I, I can think about Craig Hodges, who wrote a letter, you know, to, to President Bush, uh, the first President Bush, um, you know, so that was his... Uh, whatever issue he had, that was his way of being respectful about it. I disagree with you, you know, put it in writing. He gave him a letter, yes. Um, that's a different issue because he was possibly blackballed out of the NBA after all of that. But um, I just feel like there is, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this because I think with what has happened under this president, I feel like that's it's people aren't standing for people don't want to be associated with him and feel like i am supporting what he's doing <clears throat> by going to the going to the wilds even if they uh you know have have any kind of respectful ways of of showing their disagreement i think they would rather just sit out and not be associated with him than to go and somehow feel like us going is showing support for him well, CL, even though like the majority of your sports opinions I differ with because I know that I'm right, I, I still would like to be associated with you, though. I just want to say that. That's a side note. That's not an answer. That's not a, re that's not a rebuttal. That is a side note. I, I always want to be associated with you, CL. So we're going to continue to be associated in a couple weeks. Folks, uh, happy July 4th. Enjoy uh, the, the, the week and the day and be safe and celebrate. And we will see you back. Uh, on Sibling Rivalry Sports, 97.9 The Hill. My name is Chris Brown. I'm C.L. Brown. And this is Sibling, Sibling Rivalry, Rivalry Sports. Sports.